This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. You're listening to the Husker CuzCast Sports Show. Now, here's Justin Fielder, Derek Stafford, and Tyler Schaefer. Hello and welcome to the Husker CuzCast Sports Show. Justin here along with one cousin, just Tyler. Today, Derek is uh, triple bogeying the 19th hole at Indian Head Golf Course, so he will not be with us. But we have John Sweeland, contributor at HuskerCorner.com. John, how's it going? Good. I'm glad to be here. It's been uh, been too long. Yeah. Well, as the recruiting analyst at Husker Corner, we're excited to talk recruiting with you. I don't think we've talked recruiting since uh, what? signing day. Signing Always day. Always since signing day. Yeah. Yeah. So I it's, was it's, the last person to talk recruiting. Then. Wow. Yeah. Exactly. So uh, let, let's get into it. Big news yesterday. Uh, we got the Thomas Fedone tight end. Big big guy right there. John, tell us a little bit about him. Yeah. So Thomas Fedone, obviously one of the the top tight end prospects in the country. Um, I think the only thing holding him back from, you know, that five-star status is going to be a little bit of weight. So he's, he's kind of built. If you've seen him on video, he's built like a wide receiver right now, but his frame is so incredible that it's easy to see why, you know, why, why the college boards and even the NFL boards love him. Um, Cause he's got the frame and on top of that, he fits the, the new mold of, of tight ends, you know, that can run, that can catch um, and that are a threat all over the field. So, very, very few guys um, with his skill set that are even out there, let alone within the 500-mile radius, let alone within the Huskers' backyard. So this is a big coup for Nebraska. Um, LSU was the the number two here, and um, not having visits thanks to COVID really helped Nebraska secure the number one spot. Not that they weren't the one spot, but it really was the deciding factor since he's an early enrollee. So Husker fans should be pretty stoked if there's a spring season. Um, and he, because he's an early enrollee, he gets to line up with, you know, Juan Dale and Omar for maybe an extra season, something we haven't seen before. Um, but who knows how that'll shake out. But regardless, he's got a bright, bright future at Nebraska. And I can't wait to see what he does because we don't have anyone like him on the roster. So it's just August right now. There's a long ways to go. But how do you think we are doing at uh, meeting the class needs so far? You know, that's a really... Really good question. So Nebraska has commits at every single position outside um, of, I think, defensive line right now in this class. So they look really good. They're, they're obviously full at the quarterback spot. Um, they're, they're full at tight end. Um, oh, they will be full at the tight end soon. We can get into that. Um, the offensive line looks really good. They've got a ton of guys at wide receiver. So I think defensive line is the only missing spot right now. Um, and they don't need a ton because they've done a good job of spreading their, their guys out over the last three years, but they'll, they'll take one or two guys this year along the defensive line. And we'll kind of see how that shakes out. But right now the offense, I mean, they're juiced Thomas Fedone, Teddy Prochaska, uh, Latrell Neville, one of my favorite wide receivers out there. Uh, Henry Latovsky, another great offensive guard. He's not super high rated, but he's a high three-star from a composite standpoint, I really love him and his frame and his motor. Um, you've got the recent commit in Camonte Grimes, who's an athlete, but 
I think we all know will play wide receiver. He's super fast, super talented. Um, Heinrich Harburg uh, at quarterback, who's the local kid out of Kearney Catholic. Uh, and then Sean Hardy out of Kingsland, Georgia is another wide receiver. And I think we rounded out with Gabe Irvin, the running back out of Georgia and Branson Yeager out of Utah at the offensive tackle spot. So offense looks really set, looks really, really good. I think the only thing that they really need to focus on for the rest of the year is that defensive side of the ball, unless they're going to take a second running back, which with so many unproven guys, but so much talent on the roster, I don't know if they're going to be content with um, just taking Gabe Irvin or if they take a second guy, because I, I could sure see them take more of an athletic uh, running back outside of Irvin. Um, that offers a little bit more of that Maurice Washington, Wandale Robinson vibe. So um, hopefully that's a pretty good rundown. Yeah, that's great. Uh, John, I got another question here. Uh, out, outside of our commits, I think Nebraska's done a really good job about uh, attracting some walk-on talent. Last week, uh, the wide receiver Iowa transfer, Oliver Martin, he's going to walk on at Nebraska. He's a four-star. Uh, what do you know about him, and what can he do at Nebraska? Yeah, Martin's an interesting prospect. He's a former four-star wide receiver out of, I believe it's Iowa, uh, went to Michigan and then came back to Iowa, and he just hasn't done very much. Not to say he's hasn't done anything, uh, but overall, he just doesn't have you know a really impressive stat sheet to to back up the last couple of years before walking on in Nebraska. So um, he's an interesting prospect. He's right there, about six foot, two hundred pounds. He's definitely got the speed to play wide receiver. Just it doesn't seem like he's put it all together or found himself on a, a favorable depth chart. And with how unproven Nebraska's depth chart is, a wide receiver, um, you know, outside of Wandale Robinson, there's no proven commodities outside of maybe Cade Warner. Um, obviously high hopes for Omar Manning um, and Betts and a few other guys on the roster that I, I think are at the point we'll see them contribute just without a fall season. There's really nothing to go off of outside of Wandale. So um, excited to see what he could do. I just don't know that the Nebraska's depth chart is really any better than Iowa's, but we'll find out. Go ahead, Tyler. Well, so you, you gave us a nice breakdown of all the needs. And one thing you said was, you know, Nebraska set at quarterback. And I, I've been kind of the, you know, beating a horn that maybe Nebraska taking a second quarterback this class wouldn't be the worst idea. To tell me, am I crazy there to think Nebraska should go after a second quarterback or you know, you, do you really, you think there's a, maybe a small uh, shot they might try to do that. So this all comes down to what do you have and what do you want and what, what are you comfortable with? So they've got Adrian for two more years. They've got Luke for four more years and Logan for five years, you know, assuming he redshirts. So if you take Harburg and then you take a second quarterback alongside him, you're creating a little bit of a log jam. Um, because you'll have two guys behind two other guys that are a year apart. So uh, it's always nice to have more bodies on the roster. I think that Harburg has obviously the athletic skill set to play the the quarterback position that Nebraska likes to play, but I think he's got a really good arm as well. I think the reason he's kind of in between with a rating is he just he doesn't pass like some of the guys on the, the West Coast or down in the South or even Texas. Um that those guys do. So there's just not a ton of film against high comp, high level competition where he's airing it out and can't use his legs. And I think if Nebraska wants to be successful moving forward, you know, they really have to find guys that are quarterbacks first and, and uh, running and runners second. So 
I just don't see it. I don't think you need it based on what you have on the roster. But, you know, if I'm going to throw out names, Tyler, and, and just, like, shoot my shot, I would love to see a guy like Peter Costelli. Um, he's a pro-style quarterback, but he can run really well. Um, there's a legacy out there as well. Jake Garcia, I think it is. He's a Husker legacy. Um, and if I got his name wrong, I'm sorry. Don't tweet me. Um, but I think he's he's a pro-style quarterback, but he's got that, you know, 10-2, 10-3 speed. So um, I just see that, you know, the, the college game is at that point where you got to have guys that can pass the ball. Um, and if they can pick pick up five or 10 yards on a scramble, that's great. If they can pick up 20 or 30 yards, I think that's the type of athleticism Nebraska is used to seeing. And obviously with Luke McCaffrey, you've got that in spades. The kid's electric with his wheels. I just need to see him pass the ball. And if the plan for Luke is a transition anywhere, you know, away from quarterback, which it doesn't appear to be from what, you know, Frost and um, Verduzco said, I, I think you just take one and you'd be happy that, you know, you've got four capable guys on the roster starting next year. And um, if you're going to take it, I think you take it in 2022. That's a really long answer, but that would be where I would take it. So, um, so you're talking about this recruiting class a little bit, you know, when you look at what we've done, it looks like Nebraska has a trend going. We're looking at some really big bodied offensive linemen. Um, A lot of it is made about the height of some of our wide receivers. Do you believe the coaches are really kind of developing a, you know, a prototype or a trend they're going for, or is this just Husker fans making a little bit too much out of a couple tall linemen, a couple tall wide receivers? What, what, what do you think that lines up on? I think those are two different, two different conversations. I know for a fact that we're a bit of a size and length queen on the offensive line. We want guys that are a certain height, have a certain wingspan. Um, and I think that's proven um, what was it? Was it Matthew Anderson when he was being recruited? They said, Hey, go stand in the doorway. We want to validate your height. And the kid went and took the photo. Um, so that story is out there from the offensive line. And then they look at guys like, you know, Ethan Piper, Michael Lynn, and, and they just know it's either going to be a fit for the offensive line or not. And I think Nebraska from an offensive lineman standpoint, you know, they're shooting six, four to six, six is kind of their they're optimistic what we want, but those guys also have to have the athleticism to go along with it because the offense requires them to pull and do so many things. And from an offensive line standpoint, Tyler's definitely true. It's there from a wide receiver standpoint. I think they just got stuck in a place where they've got a lot of smaller guys on the roster and they got to add some size. And, you know, they did a good job. Obviously Omar Manning fits that bill really well um, and can play on the outside. Um, Hickman, who's a tight end that's been converted to wide receiver. He's got nice size as well, but the rest of the guys are, are I don't want to say tiny cause that's not accurate, but they're not tall. Um, and you look at a roster for, you know, for top teams, they've got length and they've got size. Um, and that could help create mismatches with smaller corners, et cetera. So I think you're just seeing a bit of an overcorrection from a size standpoint, but I also think that the three guys that they have committed, um, are really terrific wide receivers who can all run, which, you know, sometimes you think the taller guys are slower, but Kamonte Grimes, Sean Hardy, and Latrell Neville are all fast wide receivers to go along with their size. So I, I want to go through just a few quick names real quick, and I, I'd like to sit, tell you give us an update of what you think Nebraska's chance of landing these guys are. Um, the first one I'm going to send uh, shoot out is A.J. Rollins. 
I think it's pretty high, and I think you'll. I think we might have an update on this before the podcast releases. So, um, Rollins said this week that he's he's made his decision. It's coming out, and um, everything around every campfire that I can peek my head into says Nebraska. Okay. Um, a, a name that you know, you, we we got Fedone, big name. Another big name that we missed out on, but doesn't know if his recruiting's done, is Terrence Lewis. Woo! Drama. Um, first of all, <laughs> never heard of him. Ter- Terrence Lewis has the all the athleticism to be a Micah Parsons type of linebacker at the college level. He's a difference maker. He's got the aggressiveness. He's got the right attitude. And for one, I'd love to have him in this class. Two, this class is unique in the fact that it's been brewing for a while and all the guys seem to really be linked together well and they're all establishing friendships. And I think that's a big reason you see, you know, guys like Thomas Fedone being extra comfortable at Nebraska versus maybe in LSU where they can't interact with those recruits because they're spread out everywhere. But, you know, there's a lot of local guys. Teddy Prochaska um, from Omaha. Randolph Kapai. He's not that far. He's he's only in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Um, Henry Latovsky. He's in Mount Pleasant, Iowa. Um, I mean, Heinrich Harburg. Obviously, he's out in Kearney, Nebraska. Um, Seth Malcolm. You know, he's out in Iowa as well. So he's really not that far. And then this guy hasn't really been involved in that same way up to this point. But Kobe Bretz is another one of those guys. Uh, the recent safety commit this week out of West side high school in Omaha. So there's a lot of local flavor in this. And I think those guys all reach out being friends is a big part of that. Um, you know, you stretch that analogy out a little bit and you can see, you know, all the hunting trips and the fishing contests and the dunk contests, you know, Branton Yeager out, out in Utah, he's been in on all those too. And he kind of fits that same, you know, mentality and mold. Latrell Neville interacts with those guys a lot as did Sean Hardy, at least when it first um, his commitment first dropped. I, I don't think he's going anywhere. I just think that, you know, it hasn't been as prominent with him lately. So um, there's that bond, Tyler, that's out there with these guys. I think that goes a long way. And they've got that with Terrence Lewis. Now, do I think Terrence Lewis is going to come here? I'd say you got maybe a 15% shot, 20 if I'm being generous. Um, Nebraska definitely needs to take another linebacker in this class. Um, and Terrence Lewis would definitely be a guy you, you paved the way for. What, what about a guy, and I don't know if you know much on him, but uh, Mandela uh, Tobin, uh, defensive end out of uh, California, I think. You talked about need defensive line. Um, I've heard some you know rumblings on him. You know, what, what do you think, Brad? You think we're, I think 24-7 has us as a warm, you know, if you want to look at what they're saying. But what do you think about him? Yeah, so... Just to, to toot my own horn here, every Thursday I do a Thirsty Thursday recruiting update on Husker Corner, um, and I had Tobin mentioned uh, in there last week. Um, Nebraska is in his top five, um, or should be in his top five that comes out in the next couple of days. I think it's September 1st it drops. Um, he's a West Coast guy. He's got all the ties to coach uh, Tony Tuioti, um, and he's really put in the work there. And I just I see Nebraska being in that top two or three group. Um, from a prospect standpoint, I'd say, you know, it's above 50% that they land them. But this whole year with COVID's a little weird, not being able to visit that it might affect some people, um, you know, for their senior season. So I think Nebraska and Kansas are the, the top two right now. And I would put Nebraska ahead of the, 
ball game just because you know Jayhawks play basketball; they don't play football. Um, but as as a prospect, man, he's got like a six four, two hundred eighty frame right now. And the thing that jumps out to me as as a prospect is just his burst at the line of speed when that ball snapped. He gets in there and he gets in there quick. So he's he's someone I'd really like to see. I think he is very similar to Khalil Davis, where he's going to be a bigger guy. Um, but he can also hold the line of scrimmage or, or apply a little bit of pressure passing, rushing the passer. So nice. And the last name I had for you is a Minnesota commit uh, of Tate Dickerson. Man, I don't know what's going to happen with him. He committed to the Gophers kind of sight unseen. Um, I, I wish Nebraska was in the same situation, you know, where they've got a relatively new coach. Um, who's got a cheeky slogan and it's just really made it work at every stop he's been at. Um, I don't know that they flip Dickerson. I don't know if that's just kind of a, a culture thing or maybe it's just not the right fit. I think that's really important because, you know, you had a couple of those right fit guys in the last class that have already left um, the Florida linebackers. Personally, I think Dickerson's really talented. He's got the length for it. He's still, you know, he needs to add 20, 30 pounds of weight to play at the next level. So, you know, do those skills translate over, you know, when you take a flyer or, or you take a, a guy like Kobe Bretz, um, who's maybe the right size, but can grow into a bigger frame. You know, Bretz rolls down from safety to outside linebacker. That's a different story. What do you do with a, a cornerback who's, you know, not quite the right size is another story. But I, I don't know. I'd say he's he played close to the vest. You know, everyone thought he was headed to Nebraska um, and he picked the Gophers. Um, after some relentless pursuing by flex. So um, I don't know, man, I, I would, I would just say I wouldn't count him in this class, but I wouldn't count him out of this class either. All right, John. So it's been a very interesting year here. Uh, 2020, you know, fall ball has been postponed to possibly winter ish, I guess in the big 10. Now the NCAA, they came out and they said that uh, uh, talking about the scholarships, Everybody's going to be awarded and basically an extra year of eligibility. Doesn't matter how long this season is going to be. How is this going to play out at Nebraska as far as the scholarship limit? I mean, do you have any insight into what that's going to, going to do? I mean, I don't think anyone does at this point. And then when you when you add into that, you know, guys like Brennan Hymas that play left tackle their seniors this year do they stick around to play another senior year right. or do they do they go to the nfl level so nebraska is not at the point where you got to worry about a lot of guys going pro they need guys to have a senior season to really you know prove that worth um brendan's obviously an exception to that but you know a guy like matt farniok he really needs a, a strong senior season at that right tackle right guard spot to kind of prove that you know instead of a ninth, eighth or ninth round pick, he should be a third or fourth round type of draft pick. So um, same with a guy like Jojo Doman, Colin Miller, Will Honus. Um, I love decap, you know, Boodle is a, a great quarterback, but his tape isn't that great. You know, he, a lot of pass interference his sophomore year, um, his junior year, he got beat a few times. So, you know, where does that fall? Same with, I mean, geez, really almost all the seniors in the, are in the same boat on the defensive side. So, you know, Deontay Williams, I love him at safety. He's always in the right place at the right time to make a play, but he needs a healthy senior season to really prove that that worth to be a draft pick at, at the next level. So um, I think that's what you see. Um, 
I would even echo that same stuff for Mills, but yeah. I think Mills has got enough on tape between Georgia Tech and Nebraska now that you know he's likely a late round draft pick, but a senior season would help him improve his stock dramatically. So um, it'll be a cluster, whatever it is. Nebraska's, I, I don't want to say fortunate because that's not the right word, but they're at 80 of 85 scholarships right now as it sits today. Um, I think there's another linebacker from, uh, was it Weinberger? Um, or Weinstein, yeah. um, that goes on scholarship. One of those guys, uh, or, uh, Gifford, it's either him or Gifford. I can't remember, but those guys will go on scholarship this fall. I'm sure, um, 13 seniors. So not a huge amount of seniors in there either. So if you lose half, keep half, it doesn't really affect you, but it makes you wonder, you know, extra year of eligibility is great, but you know, if you're a freshman or sophomore and you're next man up and you got to wait another year, do you stick around? Do they relax? Do they, you know, do they relax the the transfer rules like they talked about all year, um, where you can do a one time transfer without having to sit out? That I think that would just make this whole situation a giant clusterfuck. Um, mm-hmm. Pardon my language, but I think that would just throw a, a giant wrench in trying to get through the next year. So I think you see that delayed out a whole nother year. But I, I don't, I don't think it's it's going to be an adventure. Let's just put it that way. We'll see where it goes and where the chips fall. But right now, it's just going to be – I think it'll be a free-for-all. Well, let's keep on with the uncertainty talk, you know. Uh, questions like everybody's had, you know, kind of like early enrollees for 2021. Are these guys going to be eligible to play in the spring if the Big Ten plays? I mean, where do you does stand on that? Their elig- does it yeah. affect their eligibility? Like, do you just get a free spring and, and then you can still redshirt the next fall? Uh, do you have a full fall season? Cause you know, urban Meyer and others have come out and said, you know, Hey, you can play in the spring and do a full season in the spring. You know, once maybe we have some better treatments for COVID or uh, haven't helped us an actual vaccine um, or just a plan in place to play a, you know, full 10 or 12 game season. But, you know, do you then delay this fall or do you shorten this fall? Um, that way the guys that aren't burnt out playing that many games and, and, you know, really a, a half of a year type of period without, a, you know, a lighter spring ball and then, you know, pretty easy per se summer. Um, so I, I just don't know what that looks like. I think there's a lot of stuff unanswered. I, I mentioned it being a cluster a little earlier, you know, a good example of how this could get really crazy is if I'm playing this year, but I maintain a year of eligibility and, and I'm Jake Burton from a grad, a grad, a senior who's a graduate transfer technically, um, he just left UCLA to go play at Baylor this fall because he wants to play this fall. Right. Does he get another year of eligibility? You know, is there a national champion? I think what intrigues me the most is since the Pac-12 is sitting out and the Big Ten is sitting out as of this moment, is those guys have a tradition with the Big Ten of playing in the Rose Bowl. So do we do a modified spring season where maybe they practice this fall and then they kick off the, the actual season in November because they have a condensed academic schedule. So you've got most of November and December, there's no school. So do you play, you, you know, do you ramp up fall camp, play for three or four weeks, take Christmas, New Year's off, and then try and get in another six to eight games, you know, January through March. Um, that way you're not stretching the season out into April, May, God forbid, June. Um, yeah. Do you let teams like Nebraska have, um, a red white scrimmage this fall, you know, just like they would normally have in the spring. So 
I would like to see a, a winter season. I think you could do something where you put a lot of the teams in a bubble. Even um, you consolidate down to some of the NFL stadiums that are covered, um, you know, playing in places like Indianapolis, et cetera, um, or flying out to Vegas with their new stadium or Dallas. I'm sure all those cities would love to have, it's not much revenue because there's no fans, but I'm sure they'd love to have um, some revenue or you could even float, you know, the games to the, to the, to the FCS level, you know, nor I think Northern Iowa and then a couple of the Dakota schools have smaller dome stadiums as well. You know, maybe you build a bubble and then you fly the teams out to these smaller sites and play there. Um, that way it's, you get to play the games in winter without, you know, winter really affecting stuff. Cause guys, I'm all for playing football in the cold, but you know, you don't want to play 14 or 12 to 14 games, you know, in freezing cold, snowy weather. So yeah, um, we'll see what happens, but I think, I think that's a similar model they'll follow with basketball as well. You know, playing during that, that off season, trying to do a bubbled approach with just big 10 games, maybe mixing some stuff up with the pac 12. Um, and they do that. So that way there's really no academic and athletics conflict. Cause they've got that larger period of off time from November all the way through early January. So we'll see. It's uh the sad news is, is there's no information about why we're delayed. What's causing the delay. Why did the Big Ten make this move versus other conferences that are still playing? Um, I think that's a major frustration, and they to this day, even with the lawsuit stuff, they haven't answered it. So we'll see what shakes out with that stuff. But man, I, I just if I, my best guess would be November to March, they play a season, a modified season of some sort, and get in. Unless the COVID stuff is still a concern, then you're talking January through April. But the last thing the NCAA wants is to overlap with March Madness and lose a second March Madness. So um, right. I think whatever they do, they get it done by March Madness in March or move it back a few weeks. So it's maybe kicks off the last day in March and it can still be March Madness. Who knows? John, are you buying anything into what Sir Yacht is saying on Twitter? And for our listeners out there that don't know what, <laughs> who Sir Yacht is, he's uh, some bozo out of Ohio, I guess. And uh, he was putting out a lot of, Fake information that the Big Ten was going to – they were going to resume play. They were going to play uh, beginning of September, uh, that the season wasn't canceled, and he had everybody on a run for their money. But uh, we all know that that's not happening. But now he's coming back out and saying now with the COVID test that and the lawsuits, there's a chance that – or. He says that the Big Ten is going to be playing when the SEC and when those other conferences start up. Are you buying any of this? Listen, if I've got an unknown podcast and I want to get some listeners and I have a Twitter account that doesn't have my name on it, um, this is a great way to build a following. And if that's what he's doing, kudos to this kid. It's not like he's hiding, hiding. You know, He's got his photo and stuff out there. But um, I just – I don't put any stock into it. He's not part of the circuit – the people he counts as uh, resources and sources or, or people that can, you know, credential him and validate him are pretty questionable themselves. So, man, like I said, not a stock I would buy into. If it's just being humorous, kind of like a, a fake Bo Pelini, Bo Pelini, um, you know, enjoy it, man. If you, if you just want to, like, go down the rabbit hole every day, do it. But <laughs> God, I wouldn't put he's... any stock into it. 
Yeah, he's he's getting a hell of a ride out of it out of it because he's making radio appearances. Tyler and Derek, they wanted to have him on ask him on the podcast at one point. Listen, I mean, have have him on, right? Like, why not? Like what's what's it hurt to talk to a guy? It's, you know, it's not it's nothing other than a conversation. But yeah, you know, if you ask me and you want to have a resource that you can kind of lean on and get real insight into what's going on, I'd love to blow some smoke up your rear and say, you know, follow me. But Follow a guy like Mitch Sherman at The Athletic. He's got sources everywhere. He's tied into everything. He's ahead of the curve. And when details come out, he usually has the best type and the best insight from a detail standpoint. So that's who I would go out and I'd put my stock in. Um, not not Mr. or Sir Yacht. Right. I agree. Uh, speaking of which, John, I think all of our listeners are following you anyway, but throw out your Twitter handle. Uh, it's my real name. It's got my real photo on it from a trip up the California coast. Uh, it's a few years old, but I was driving up the PCH, decided to take an epic photo. So it's the real me. Um, it's at John Swedland, John with an H Swedland spelled not like it sounds S W E D L U N D. Right. And final thing you talk about this thirsty Thursday. We read your article from last week. When's your uh, recruiting article going to be released? It's Thursday. Is it out there yet? Well, (laughs) it is Thursday. It should come out uh, either later tonight or first thing tomorrow. Um, It's just some assholes made you do a podcast, huh? (laughs) (laughs) It's got to get vetted now since we're on fan side. I can't just dump it out immediately, but it'll be out hopefully either later tonight or, you know, first thing in the morning for folks. All right, cool. All right, well, we're about uh, done here. Uh, we're going to do a last call. John, you still want to do a last call with us? Yeah, that's fine. Well, we'll start it off with you. Last call, no, no topics are off limits. Yeah, no preparation uh, there, John. <laughs> I'll, I'll go for. I'll go first. You know, my, my last call um, goes out to the Husker lawsuit for the people that weren't following. Um, eight families uh, filed lawsuit with the Big Ten. Um, you know, it's going to be a very interesting, uh, you know, uh, how, how this all unfolds. I'm not overly optimistic that this is going to change anything. I have, a, you know, I, I know a lawyer pretty well and she doesn't really think there's a lot of, uh, rights that these athletes have to get that information. Um, so, so it's not overly optimistic, but I, you know, all I can hope is that whatever these kids are trying to accomplish, whatever it does, I hope it doesn't backfire. I hope they get what they want and get the information. Um, it would be nice if the Big Ten just opened it up. I just don't think that's going to happen, and I don't think it's going to change anything. But what, what do you guys say, John? I mean, from a lawsuit standpoint. Good luck. Uh, I think it's been debunked pretty hard today that there's not a lot of merit behind it. Um, I think this is more of just the, hey, we're Nebraska. Take us seriously. We want some answers because they haven't given out diddly squat to this point. So uh, I don't think it'll go anywhere. I don't think the parent stuff is going to go anywhere either. But, you know, shoot your shot. Good luck. Yeah, I don't think it's going to go anywhere either. It's just one of those things. It's like I've basically given up on. Uh, any fall season for Nebraska in the Big Ten. I, I, I've given up. I'll just wait patiently for the winter season, and so be it. Last call to you, John. Now, well, yeah. I, know what you, I know what you now feel about Sir Yacht. Man, he thinks there's going to be a season, and you're just over here 
Mr. Negative. Hey, I don't look. I bought into his stuff for you know a good solid three days, man. I was like, oh yeah, look at this guy, and we were all fools. We were all fools about it, but man, that's okay. I thought, I thought was Derek fun. was the pessimistic one in the group, and that you had you know you had changed and you know grew new wings <laughs> and were pessimistic <laughs> and were optimistic now, but I don't think that's true at all anymore. Hey, I'm tired of being let down. <laughs> Go ahead, John. Last call to you. Uh, last call to me. You know, man, um, I'm really bummed we don't have a season at this point. I was really excited to see, you know, what, what progress had been made. I still think Scott Frost is a young head coach. He makes some boneheaded mistakes and some boneheaded moves. Um, he's not the point where he needs to be. And this was really a, a season that I was looking forward to seeing and, and where his growth had been and you know, what changes they made and, and what they were going to do a little bit differently. Um, so for me, you know, last call, all this other stuff aside, you know, I'd like, I'd really like to see this recruiting class take off um, and, and see where that can go. Cause they jumped up to 20 and 27th, depending on what service you follow. And there's a lot of potential out there to close some big names yet this year. And I'm hoping they can do it. Uh, yeah, I agree. Do you think a top 15 is with is in quest or possible here? I think you should be happy with the top 20. Um, okay. I don't think that they have the, the, the name power to pull in the top 15 at this point. Um, but there's some great names out there, um, specifically, um, like at the linebacker position between Terrence Lewis, that'd go a long way. And then another guy we didn't talk about today, Wyndon Houli from Hawaii. Um, he's one of the best inside linebackers uh, rated by 24-7 sports. So um, I think if you land those two guys and maybe some of these guys play a senior season and get a bump, you got a shot. But I think we'll be lucky to have a, a top 20 class at the end of the day. Tyler? Yeah, I, you know, John sentiment. You know, this was a really big year for the Huskers. Um, I think you had a lot of young guys who were looking to play and a lot of things that were going to step up. Um, you know, to your point, another strong recruiting class would go a long ways into the future of this program. And so finishing strong would be huge. All right, last call to me, and my last call goes out to college football this weekend. It may not be FBS, but FCS is uh, going to be here. Austin Pay at Central Arkansas. It's going to be televised on ESPN at 8 p.m. Saturday night. It's college football, guys. We didn't think we were going to see any college football, but it is some sort of college football. My question to you is, will you be watching, Tyler? If my wife lets me. <laughs> Dang. We'll edit that part out. John, what about you? Are you going to be watching? If Tyler wife's let me. Ah, <laughs> well played. Well uh, played. Listen, I, I miss Pac-12 after dark. I'm out here in Arizona, and there's a little – Little little glimmer of hope that I might be able to wake up, watch football, and go to sleep while football's still on out in Hawaii. So I'm excited for it. I'll probably tune in just to catch it and say I was there during the, the year of the COVID. Yep, that's it. All right. Well, uh, big thanks to John Sweeland for joining us tonight. Uh, be sure to follow the Husker Cuzcast on Twitter, at Husker Cuzcast. Like us on Facebook. Look for episodes on Podbean, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and BigHeadsMedia.com. Rate, review, and subscribe. On behalf of Derek and Tyler, we want to thank – oh, shoot, Derek's not here. He's dead. <laughs> we want to thank everybody for listening anyway. Be safe out there, and as always, go Big Red. <laughs>